Welcome to the Homeschooling Homegirls podcast. Join us as we take up space by sharing our bi-POC experiences in the homeschool unschool world. I'm your host, Tiffany Sandoval. I spent most of the last 19 years in the homeschool unschool world listening to the advice from narratives that did not include me or anyone that was not from the white or white adjacent lived experience. This podcast is about elevating the voices that for far too long have been silenced in the name of white fragility. My hope is that by sharing our stories, others can see that homeschooling and unschooling is one of many paths to raise empowered, educated people. Stories will be shared from lived experiences, not theories, and different perspectives are encouraged. So grab your coffee or your cocktail and join us as we expand our perspectives. to today's episode where we're going to be kicking it with our home girl genesis today's episode split into two the first half we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about the spark doubt boundaries shadow work by poc spaces and goodness the second half is going to be about homeschooling groups the podcast purpose problem solving cancel culture how to make your homeschool group safer and what homeschooling homegirls means to Genesis. In the show notes, I'm going to be posting articles um, to what and places that we're speaking about. You can find Genesis on Facebook and Instagram and her website at genesisripley.com. I really encourage you guys to book her for workshops. They're life changers. They really, just in the spaces I've seen at work, they really provoke thought and create conversations that I know I've tried to have and failed a million times, but when she runs these spaces, it's a whole different conversation. So um, I'm really grateful she was in the space. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, this is Tiffany with Homeschooling Homegirls, and we are kicking it with Genesis. Yeah. Um, first, what's up? It's Genesis. How are you? Thanks for uh, coming out and stopping by. <laughs> um you know, uh, when me and Tiffany do this, it, it, you know, we can go hours and hours and hours. So you're just kind of joining, you know, a slice in our, uh, you know, in, in the space that we spend. Um, we love uh, having these long ass dialogues about every single thing. Um, it's good fun. And it's, uh, it's good for our heads and hearts. Right now, I thought we just hit record because it was such an amazing topic. We're talking about you just said it so much better than I'm going to say it. So you can re- totally fix it for me. But um, <laughs> we were saying how, well, sometimes we just need to hear that one thing that sparks. I was talking to Genesis and I said, uh, I'm not a people person. And she's like, no, it's just because you equate all people with white people. You are a people person. That was what I needed to hear for the avalanche of all of the things I had put in a box that I didn't want to touch to like fall on top of me. And I had to wade through. There's so much healing and work that was in just th- that statement. So she was telling me uh, right before we record how that happened for her. So you want to? We were just talking about basically how um, sometimes it can just be that one thing that tugs at the threads of your knowings, right? And allows you to reflect on a lot of things that have kind of been poking at you, but you can't quite figure it out. Um, So she had that experience and and, uh, it was actually right before uh, I was, Right before we were, I was going to do a, a, a talk <laughs> and it was like, 
she's she's my what do you call it what which, what were you doing i was like your tech you were my, like tech you yeah. were my tech person it was like the three minute space that we had before it started <laughs> and we just started having that conversation uh it was really you know what i felt in that when she said it was that it embodied the way that whiteness is so violent um and that it is exhausting to deal with. And so when I heard Tiffany say, I'm not a people person, um, I think to myself, that's funny because I look at all the things that you do for people all the time. I look at the ways we can communicate for hours and hours and don't get tired. I look at all the different ways that you are, uh, you have beautiful relationship to a wide, uh, a wide diversity of human beings. Um, uh, I think when you say that, and I think sometimes as people of color, because uh, we're evolved to do this, we center whiteness, right? Like, so we perceive everything from the context of, well, whiteness, right? <laughs> so it's like, when she said, I don't like people, what she's really saying is, I don't like whiteness. I don't like that shit in my space, and none of us do. Um, I don't even really think white people like whiteness. I think they just don't recognize how it affects them. But um, back to what I was saying about what happened to me. Um, I had a friend who was in Staten Island and she was at a conference. I, I can't remember which one um, and I'm not going to butcher it and try. Uh, but it was a it was a reimagining unschooling conference, reimagining education conference in Staten Island. And uh, my friend bumped into Zakia Ismail and I hope I didn't just butcher her name. Um, but I'd never met her before. I hadn't heard of her before. And she's like, I met this woman named Zakia. And uh, she's from South Africa. She's Indian. And she has this really, she has this website called Unschooling as a Tool for Decolonization. When she said those words, um, it was like lightning hit me because uh, I've been unschooling my kids from the very beginning. They've never been into school. And I, I, understood essentially why I did it. Um, I understood it, uh, but I didn't really have the words for it yet. I just move how I move and I trust that. Um, but when I heard those words, it was like, click, 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 click. All the things uh, found alignment. And it actually took quite a bit of time um for me to recognize just how many threads that tugged on in my mythology um and when i speak to my mythology i'm talking about uh the way that i see the world right um and the way that we are all seeking to purge those colonized uh patterns thoughts and beliefs um so that we can be human with each other um so that was uh we were just discussing how those moments can hit in that way um you know, you hear a thing and it's transformative and you don't know when those moments are coming. The universe, the ancestors, the divine just kind of gift you. <laughs> and sometimes it's not fun to feel, but um, it's a gift nonetheless. I hear that one, not always fun to feel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us, like, um, I was just from a lot of the conversations I've had with people about how they find themselves how they find the words for what they're doing or why they started. Um, I think for me, when I started 
homeschooling Jade. I couldn't tell people why it was a good gut feeling. Like I knew that the light, all I would tell people is the light's going out of her eyes. I don't know what to tell you. It was that creative kid who barely ever had clothes on and never had a hair combed and was like, looked like a complete wild child, always drenched in paint, creating something was now yeah. compliant and quiet and um, looking for approval where she never, she never did before. Um, and, but I didn't even have the words for that. It was just like the lights going out. I don't know what to tell you the lights going out and people used to look at me like I was so like, I was on something. We know we're going from like a gut instinct. We know we need to be doing it, but without having those words, like it, it, it makes it hard for other people to understand your journey or even for you to understand when the days get hard. So I appreciate, yeah. I appreciate like having you in my life because I don't know. There's few people that can call me on my shit <laughs> that I, that I respond to, right? Like there's plenty of people I know that, that call me on my shit, but there's a few that I, mm. and I think it's cause it's honest dialogue. Oh, so you get to come home. I get to come home. And I think that's also like kind of lacking in the homeschool and school world where for me, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but as a person of color walking into white spaces, which has been the unschool homeschool world for me, I'm already, I'm already getting ready to be in that space. I don't get to come home because I need to be aware of what my kids are going to interact with, what I'm going to interact with, how much of myself I'm allowing into the space. I think when you're always being ready and prepared, sometimes the opportunity to create like really connection with other people kind of goes out the window because you're not fully present. You're already um, making choices outside the norm like your kids I don't know about you but in my family um nobody understood why my kids weren't going to school <laughs> nobody understood what we were doing so I didn't really have a lot of support um at home or my my you know my family um and so I would come into these spaces time and time again looking for that connection but not being able to create it because I wasn't being present. I wasn't, and it maybe it was for a lot of other reasons, but I think my part in it was that I was always trying to protect myself or my kids. Um, I hear you. You know, um, so I think when we find those people like what you are for me, I think in the community we've created, we, it's not always pretty and it's not always nice, but it's honest and it's real. And uh, I'll take that over nice cities and I don't know any day hmm. I heard that um you know there's so much wisdom in in your expression to be absorbed there's so many places we can go with the entirety of what you said um a lot of it is linked in terms of uh you know we live in a disembodied culture I mean that's just the reality of of uh, everyone's circumstance, whether they recognize that or not. And within that, um, patriarchy always has women. Um, and and I'm, I'm always inclusive of trans, um, just so that's clear. But patriarchy always has women uh, doubting their divine femininity and that in that uh, what we call intuitive knowing that wild aspect that um, part of ourselves that really understands our children and instead what it has us doing is deferring to a system 
or just deferring to an expert or something like that. And so then we're showered with all this doubt because there is a structure that exists that has us all believing that it knows better than the uh, divine intuition of a mother <laughs> over our children. Um, and that has, that, that's, it's, 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 it's violent um, because it comes between families, right? Um, when you said you didn't get any support, right? Uh, you're not getting support because people don't trust their own intuition, right? They don't trust themselves. So how are they going to trust you? And at, we're all accustomed to outsourcing to the expert, right? Which is, uh, there was something in you that understood that not only do you disagree with this system, but you disagree with expertism. It doesn't mean that there aren't people who have uh, amassed a skill at something that you want to learn from. That's not the same thing as, um, you know, deferring your sacred knowing to uh, a disembodied uh, white hegemonic homogenous violent culture and their perspective about how you should live. Um, and, 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 you know, when you look at a culture that you don't agree with, but simultaneously get told you have to do everything something a certain way, there's a disassociation that happens with that, right? If I can't stand anything that I'm in, if I disagree with everything that I'm in, then I'm not going to do it that way. That shit is common sense to me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to follow the same pathway if everything that I'm looking at, I'm not in alignment with. So um, I do understand what you mean about, uh, about um, the learning to, uh, the evolution of trusting the path and trusting ourselves. I think that's huge. And I think when our children are raised uh, with liberatory practices, the way our children have been, we get to observe it in them, right? And they teach us how to be more trustful of ourselves and so therefore more trustful of them. It's like a win-win situation for all of humanity, quite honestly, for those that are um, in spaces where they're privileged to be able to do this. Um, you know, I think there is really a certain healing that happens when the masculine starts to understand and learn and trust uh, the feminine because we live in a patriarchy and everything that we come from uh, um, with these social constructs is an oppression of, of, of feminine power. Um, and so when we are able, uh, when masculine is able to embrace femininity, and, it, and I'm talking about within themselves and within partners and within the world and within spirituality, um, I think that that is a revolutionary healing. Uh, so I think there's a lot of possibility in the world right now for people who, you know, uh, are unable to send their kids to school. Um, clearly, there's going to always be circumstances, uh, and I'm aware of the privilege of this. Um, but for many people, there's a lot of possibility of, of decolonizing the the ideas that they have around outsourcing um, that divine knowing that you have around your family to a structure that doesn't give any fucks about you. Damn. Yeah. Um, 
So gratitude for uh, all that story. Um, I like the way that you share because you always share in stories and, and that's how I like to receive uh, my learning is through people's experiences. Um, yeah, and there's I get, a lot in what you said. Thanks. Um, I think like sharing, because um, I think if you go into the, at least my experience going into the homeschool and school world, like everybody shares the good things, right? Nobody shares the hard things, the Word. The things that like a lot of us need, because when we're going through it and we think we're the only ones or we did something wrong or we're just not, um, in my case, not for everybody in my case, um, not feeling like, like all the stuff I'm doing, I'm making it up as if I can go along. I don't have a healthy, normal, um, the way I was raised. Um, and so <laughs> a lot of times I joke with my husband that like we're creating all the stuff I saw on fucking TV or, you know, I saw other families mm -hmm. like maybe it's this or maybe it's that or maybe. And so that's another thing that fed into my not. I think I've always trusted my gut because I, I do a lot of things for my gut without I jump before I look, you know, I'll jump head first before I see if there's any water in there. <laughs> but that's me working for my gut. Most of the time, I, my inner, like, I don't know why I need to do it. I just need to do it and then figure out the why later. Um, but being in a relationship with someone who is complete opposite to that um, and raising children who are, um, they're more like him. Most of the, most of my kids are more like my husband. Um, and so a lot of the times they just look at me with this look like, uh, doesn't seem logical. <laughs> it doesn't seem, and I'm like, it's okay. We'll be fine. We'll figure it out. Um, and I've learned to backtrack kind of to listen to other people, but I think I, in learning to listen to myself, I've had to learn how to tune other people out. And that's fine if I lived in a world and a family about myself, but then having to tune back in to find the middle, because I don't, I'm an all or nothing. So that middle ground is usually kind of where I need to like figure out how to get to. Um, and so I think the last five years, especially with Logan, because he's so intense, I've had to learn how to listen to myself and my, and my intuition and also include other, the other people in my family, which says a lot yeah. because Logan's nine. So five years, he was four. That meant Logan, Dylan is 17 now. He was like 13. And that meant my oldest was basically an adult. So I, I raised a whole child a whole person always reacting for me and not necessarily including everybody. Does that make sense? Like I, I, I don't know, I think, and I don't regret it because I'd rather my kids know me as a whole person instead of a mom, a mom person. Um, but it is, I see the difference in our relationships because of that. Yeah, I hear you. Um, you know, uh, there's uh, integration um, is a journey, right? Um, learning and embodying how to be whole in space, how to have um, clear and firm boundaries um, and simultaneously be able to share space with other whole beings that are powerful and have uh, their own set of boundaries and um, uh, you know, again, this this anti culture that we live in, um, it doesn't it doesn't afford that at all. It doesn't inspire that on any level. It actually inspires 
competition and um, disregarding of our of our of our own experience. You know, like we don't even matter, right? Uh, you know, like what does it do to a person to in all ways and at all times take away their agency? Like where you got to ask to go to the bathroom and get a hall pass, where they tell you where to eat, what time to eat, uh, what to learn, who to learn it from. Uh, even the books that are created are created by like <laughs> you know, a certain sect of people. Um, it's not even, it's rarely your history or your, your history or your history, right? It's not, it's not about you. And, uh, and it's extracted from the natural world. So it's like the learning is abstract and not even um, uh, uh, integrated uh, in the whole of you. Um, it's an application as opposed to an integration. Um, so I, I, I hear you. And, and I think the evolution, that's one of the beautiful things to me about unschooling too, is that it, honestly, I think uh, one of the most beautiful things uh, in my experience is that we learn how to be with each other um, and it's and 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 connecting to what you said earlier it's not a perfect circumstance we have these ideas in this culture that uh, you know because everybody puts forth their you know their best image that uh, for something to be worth something it needs to have perfection it needs to have all the answers and Unschooling does not have all the answers on any level, but it offers unique and new questions and inquiry. And so, and, it, and, it, and it's an opportunity to widen and see beyond like uh, the, the places where we've been uh, limited in sight because of intentional manipulations, right? So like, it, you know, when we're dealing with each other and family and even in community, um, one of the things that I've loved observing from you in the world is all the difficult and challenging things that you have done. You, you move mountains, right? Um, and what I notice is that as you move, it, it, and it's the trust of that wild in you that brings, you know, you bring it, you just bring it. And people may or may not have uh, different opinions about your flow and how you move, but it sh gets shit done. And it's never going to be perfect, right? There, there's no, there's no such thing as that. Um, I don't think that exists in space, uh, and I think it's actually really harmful to believe that that's true. Um, I watched in your circumstance how everything just sort of fell into place, and I know it's not perfect. But what I see is magic happening. I see transformation happening. I, I see more room for for the sacred diversity that exists on this, in, in this state, on this planet, um, I see it as um, a revolution that you sort of, I know you didn't know it was going to go down like that, but you kind of started the revolution for, by being Tiffany, right? Um, and this is how I sort of experience unschooling and uh, that it is not perfect on no me by no means am I a perfect mother. I make mistakes. I learn from them though. My children show me we have a whole lot of grace between each other. Um, no one's claiming that unschooling is going to solve the world's problems, but what it does do is it actually allows us to see, um, to see beyond. It's a it's it's it, it inspires a decolonial lens. Um, 
it's just, it's one way, right? And, and it exists for me as shadow work because um, it invites reflection. It invites, um, you know, when you're not following the norm, you have to be with that in a special way. When everyone and, and everything around you is telling you you're gonna ruin your children, um, you have to step into your accountability of uh, uh, accountability for self, um, trusting yourself that I am responsible um, for my children in this way, but I don't own their experience. They, are, they have the liberty and the agency to have their experience, but I'm not gonna outsource responsibility to a system that I don't agree with. I'm gonna assume the responsibility as mother because that is my responsibility as a guide. Yeah. I think that brings us to like um, the talk you just gave and um, the title is Evolving Sacred Healing Presence Between People in the Global Majority. And it was a bi-POC event only during conference. The, um, and the conference I'm referring to is um, the HSC conference that just passed. Um, HSC. <laughs> <laughs> so you said it wasn't a fix-it space. You. And I really think that a lot of times we go to workshops and talks looking for the fix, the quick fix. Like, all right, tell me how to do X, Y, and Z. How am I going to, and this isn't that. The space was, it was, a, it was an invitation to sink. And I'm going to use that word because um, like I told you, I've been reading this book, Untamed, and she talks about meditating but she doesn't use the word because for me meditating I have like that monkey mind that doesn't shut up like if I try meditating I'm like making list of what I need to get done and I'm like who I need you know whatever what blog post something um, next thing I want to do and it has a hard time but when she used the word sink um uh, that helped me um and so I felt like your talk was like a, you gave me the opportunity to sink to sink into layers of myself that I haven't been in in a very long time. Um, so what was that like for you? To, what was it like to be, is that one of the first couple of times you've been in a, like an online space like that where people are looking to you for the answers in a bigger setting? Oh, online for sure. Yeah. Um, absolutely first time doing that. Uh, it, it was curious too because I couldn't see people. We were I was having my own tech issues, but um, uh, you know, um, there's my personal experience in, in my evolving work is that I'm obligated ancestrally to um, to be whole in space to do what I do, uh, and so um, in that context, any fear that comes up or uh, it's not relevant. I mean, I, I'm aware of it and I might, uh, and, and to me, it's not relevant in the sense that it would, it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't tell me how to move. It just, it's like a compass that lets me know that I'm respecting the space. Um, so in that, in that conversation, um, there's a lot of different directions we could go with that, but, um, a couple things that come up for me is that, uh, I feel like, um, and I experienced that 
colonization flows through everyone. Um, whiteness flows through everyone. Anti-blackness flows through everyone. And that conversation is uh, a sort of a prayer for me. Um, it's an uh, invitation for us to explore these difficult places that um, we often don't want to touch for all the reasons that you've already presented, um, but, but also true. I think we have much more capacity than we are aware of. Uh, and I speak that ancestrally um, in the knowing of what my ancestors have endured and, and, um, and uh, evolved in terms of civil rights technologies and uh, building relationship with ancestry uh, despite um, the illusion of severance. And I say illusion because you can't sever ancestry, right? It's beyond anyone's um, hand, anyone's material hand. Um, and, you know, I, I think that it, the, the conversations are necessary because as I speak to shadow work all the time, you cannot push it away. It will show up. Um, though, and, and it does, uh, and I'm seeing it in spaces and I'm, I'm doing what I can to speak to it so that we can bring it out of the shadows and we can have dialogues about the different ways that these things show up in our black and brown and other oppressed people's healing spaces and how we can learn to um, evolve new patterns um, and discard colonial patterns um, that have us hierarchically judging each other. Uh, like, you know, for instance, uh, my group's pain is, is, you know, greater than your group's pain or have us sort of uh, competing for resources, existing in this scarcity mentality. Um, uh, Anti-blackness is a big thing um, the world over. You can see it everywhere on every continent, um, multiple places. Um, and I find uh, you can see anti-blackness in black people. Um, I find that uh, us dialoguing about these things away from the white gaze for sure is an important thing for us to do so that we can bring our truth and honesty into space um, and we can heal these places because the way I the, what I think about healing I, I hear a lot of uh, uh, explorations around what people need to be doing to heal and I find that utterly disrespectful because the truth is the healing is always happening. The issues are that we are consistently oppressed as a people. And so when that's happening, and I'm gonna speak specifically from the black experience, um, when that's happening uh, and when the narratives of who we are are being manipulated in space and in the media, um, you know, anti-blackness can flourish in all sorts of spaces, um, including within ourselves. Um, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's not even as literal as um, 
both things are true. Anti-blackness is an evil that needs to be eradicated. Also true, eradicating anti-blackness heals the soul of every human being, right? Um, and that I will definitely include white people in. It heals the soul of every human, human being. So I feel, as, I feel as if these are these are conversations that we need to have where we can all have our unique healing spaces and that we need to learn how to be with each other, not in these uh, um, uh, broken, colonized, uh, uh, violent ways, but in ways that we draw both from ancestry and also from divine creative space to create what works in the in the now right um and i think those are conversations that uh i want to be a part of uh inspiring more of so that we can uh face what's real and i think absolutely we all have the capacity to do that even in the context of what we're going through and I used to call it, and maybe I'll get some backlash for this, but I, um, in trying to create spaces, I used to be like, I used to feel like I was in the oppression Olympics. I am more oppressed for this, or I'm more, this group's more oppressed for that. And like, we couldn't even bridge the gap of the conversation of what needed to happen because the prioritizing of whose needs were at, who was the most oppressed or whose needs were more important or what either cultural, religious, or whatever things meant people couldn't bridge their going past what they could open their mind to. Um, It almost like defeated spaces time and time again. I think that was part of that, but part of it was my lack of wanting rules or wanting guidelines. I wanted the utopia of everybody gets to come and hold a space and say what you need without feeling that you couldn't, but that really makes what my experience was is that it's really easy for me because I've learned to advocate for myself. Nobody could, I grew up, nobody advocated for me. So I learned really young that I had to do it for myself. Now you take somebody who has never done that and now they feel like they can't do that or they don't know how and they're in the space and they don't want to lose connection or they finally found a space their kid fits and they don't want to lose connection that's what I kept running into like yes we can all be from different walks of life in community and say what we need and that was my ideal but that wasn't what was happening what was happening time and time again is somebody was feeling not listened to not heard not seen because somebody else's oppression was they felt valued over their own and I felt like we're all adults here like if you, I can't make you advocate for yourself. I can make, create space to create dialogue, but if you don't want to speak up and then want to walk away angry or upset or gossipy or whatever. Um, mm. And so that's, it's made my circle really small because, which I think in the homeschool and school world, self-directed education, I think what we need in general with homeschooling is more unity because we're a small subset. And right now with everybody, COVID learning, pandemic learning, whatever you want to call it, eventually they're going to come for us. We're disrupting, like Akilah says a lot, like we're being disruptors, right? We're, we're taking a system and turning it on its head and people are realizing that home educating, however way you're going to do it, is easier. It gives, it lets you build your kids' strengths, not
I think the division and the not um, having these hard conversations that you're opening up space for is going to be our downfall because we don't need infighting. We don't need all that. We need um, more community. We need to be able to connect even if we don't understand each other or where each other's come from. Because I think what I've learned, um, I spent 15 years in the homeschool and school community before I found community, real community. I hear that. Um, and when I, I found that. it, it was like I could breathe. You know, I could have honest conversation and um, and realize that like some of us aren't there yet. Some of us are trying to get someplace and, and we have our own, the way we were raised, the way our our relationships are constructed. We're get We're moving towards it but we're not there yet. And to have space for the people that are not there yet is important. On the other end of that, I will say, um, like in the homeschooling, unschooling diversity group we have on Facebook, I offer that place as a place of learning, but not at the expense of who it was created for, the space was created for. And so for me, that's a balance. There's a lot of people that get deleted and I don't even have the conversation because like you saw the norms and you saw the guidelines and you chose not to follow it. I'm not having a dialogue of why you can't be in the space anymore. Like it just is, you were, you know, um, so there, there's both ends being, um, creating a space where there's community and people get to come in whole, but at the same time, your whiteness, if that's part of your wholeness, isn't included, isn't invited into the space. To, to like trample all over everybody else because you're so um, entitled to be there. Like you wrote a blog post. What was the title? Man, it was incredible. Oh, um, is, is goodness even a thing? Yeah. That one? yeah. Yeah. I'll post that in the show notes. Is goodness ever a thing? Man, like. Yeah. It didn't look like anybody wanted to touch that though. I always chuckle. Right? <laughs> I think because good. nobody wants to be wrong. <laughs> I'm like, can we have a conversation? Nobody wanted to suppress people. I just wrote a post about that. Nobody wants to be wrong. <laughs> right? Oh. <laughs> right before I talked to you, that's what's funny. I think learning's messy. And I think that if, and that's why I tell my kids, like, um, failing is so much better because you tried it than not doing anything at all and looking like you have it all together. Or like, or being able to say you've never failed because you've never tried. When I posted it, the intention wasn't for white people in the space to comment. It was for oppressed people to be able to speak on things that they normally can't because they're being good, because they're being nice, because they're being acceptable. To be able to not feel alone because I know that for like some of the people that kind of responded to that post, I've seen them try to have those conversations and get shut down time and time right. and time again. And and it takes its toll. Like I, like I said, when I posted it, like I'm burnt out. Like I know that this stuff needs to happen and these dialogues need to happen, but I'm not willing to have them with people that aren't doing the work. And this ties into homeschooling yeah. people. I know that sometimes people are listening to the podcast like, wait, you know, uh, <laughs> because this is how we're raising people. Like if we as adults can't have these conversations, do you think that they're not happening on another level? Like I see Dylan and his friends, they're 17. It's happening there too. Check out the second half of this episode where we'll be talking about homeschooling groups, podcast purposes, problem solving, cancel culture, and how to make your homeschool group safer.
Thanks for kicking it with us today. Want to talk about homeschooling and unschooling in between episodes? Follow us on Instagram at homeschoolinghomegirls. Enjoy the process of raising empowered people. You got this.